0: Good evening. This is Peter Hammond in the studio for Africa Christian Action for Salt and Light on Radio Tigerberg. And tonight we have in the studio Jack Carstens, founder of Salem Biblical Gardens and Archaeology Museum and the David and Jonathan Foundation. Thank you so much for being with us, Jack. Welcome. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. So, Jack, Salem Biblical Gardens. Tell us about it. I, I was just astounded. It was wonderful to be there. It was a great blessing. It was a highlight mm. for many of our people in our Great Commission wow. course to go and visit. Mm. Uh, a wonderful experience. But you the founder. You got it started. How did this come about? Uh, tell us about what... Well, let's start with what wow. are Salem Biblical Gardens <laughs> and then uh, how well, it came Well, first about. of all, people ask me where does the name
1: come from? Salem actually is the old name we read in Genesis for Jerusalem. It was... Uh, Melchizedek, that was the king of Salem. And so Abraham meets him, so we can imagine it's halfway through the book of Genesis that this name already pops up. And later that becomes the uh, head of, the, of uh, Israel and it's the place where David had his uh, um, palace and everything else and it became the capital of Israel many, many years ago. So that's where Salem comes from and we just love to think that it's a bit of a mystery there about Melchizedek and there's a mystery about Salem, how it came about and how the Lord opened the doors for that uh, venture to start. And so we hope that people will come there and discover with us the mysteries that God has in, has planned for them. Salem is actually, uh, the idea behind Salem is to give people uh, insight into the Bible and to sort of connect their senses with, with the Bible. We often read the Bible and we read from page to page and it's uh, words and words and words. And uh, After you've, you've read it many times, you start wondering what was going on in the writer's mind and so on. But uh, when you actually see certain aspects of the Bible um, and then these things actually become real for you. One must remember that uh, the writer of the Bible actually thought that you knew exactly what he was writing about. So when he's talking about a threshing floor, he thinks, well, that's a common thing. Everybody knows what's a threshing floor. But uh, when you go and see the threshing floor and you see what happens there and how uh, the Bible uses that as a picture of the context and the and the message that it wants to put across then suddenly that word and that concept and that idea and the actual thing becomes alive to you Mm -hmm. so very often when people come there they say wow this is a little bit like Israel we've uh, we can't get there but (laughs) now we at least know a little bit something about it and so as we walk through Salem Gardens it's about a A 500-meter walk through the Feinbos in the Achterperl against the Palm Mountain. And uh, every so often 20 meters or so, we've got some either an artifact or artwork or a mosaic or a sculpture or something from the Bible depicting the main uh, major events in the Bible. So we are able to accept groups and take them through. And when we get to each one of these uh, depictions, um, let's say a patriarch, let's say Moses, for instance, then we will stand there and we can discuss Moses. What was the purpose? How did it happen? How did Moses get to be such an important person in the the land of Egypt? How did he take uh, the Israelites out, the whole plan of salvation for Israel? and uh, roll it into the salvation plan of the New Testament. Because for me, and a lot of people have said there's not a new thing that I made up, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. Mm. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Yes. So there's a lot in the Old Testament that points to, as a pointer, it's like a shadow of what's going to happen in the New Testament, and so we get very many instances of that.
0: Yes, well, for example, just at that point with mm. Moses lifting up the serpent on on the pole, and mm. we got talking about that, and it's uh, it's just so fascinating. At, at every stop, we had so many wonderful discussions and messages, and we sang hymns mm. relating to that. Sometimes several hymns at each place and prayed. But you'd think that the symbol for the veterinary mm. and the medical and the paramedical mm. is The serpent on the stake, and uh, uh, it's interesting that wherever you go, the paramedics—they're all using that symbol. And you can ask many of these people, "What is that symbolizing?" I don't know. (laughs) And you can take them to the Bible, and not just to the Book of Numbers, but to John chapter three, where. Jesus says, as, Jesus. as Moses lifted up yeah. the serpent in the wilderness, so yeah. must the Son of Man be lifted up. Yeah. And to understand it, Jesus became sin for us. He yeah. he was cursed on the tree. Absolutely. And and that just as God had punished the wicked people who were complaining and grumbling in the wilderness, oh, better back in Egypt, we were better for state slaves in Egypt. And then God sent a plague yeah. of serpents upon them. Mm. And as the people were dying and they were crying out to God, he ordered Moses to make a bronze serpent Lifted up on a stake, and then people had to look to it, and yeah. then it would be healed. Mm. And that's a symbol of salvation because Christ mm. is the one that we look to for our absolutely. salvation. And so, absolutely. when you look yeah. at that and you think, even the healing profession today mm. still use that biblical imagery, even mm. though most have forgotten the biblical roots uh, and connection of so it. <laughs> so, I mean, you just get there. And it's just yeah. it was so exhilarating because I'm what glad. Salem Biblical no. Garden is doing is it's taking us on a a, a a quick journey through redemptive mm. history.
1: Yep. It's a journey through the Bible and we start in Genesis and we go all the way through to Revelation and we started that wonderful scene there, I've got a mosaic, if we've had somebody make a mosaic which is a copy of one that comes from Israel of the tree of uh, the knowledge of good and evil. And very often that's also slightly misunderstood, you know, this knowledge of good and evil. What's so bad about knowing what's good and evil? Mm. But it, when we when we think about that whole story, that narrative is all about God creating mankind, man and woman, to have a relationship with them on earth and to tell them what his plans and purposes are for this great earth that he's made. I mean, I just stand in a bewilderment sometimes looking at how great the the creation is the stars and the moon and cape town of course but but all the other places in the world that are so beautiful you know whenever i i go somewhere and uh, we can stand and watch the sunset very lonely to do it on your own and say to yourself well wow, this is a great sunset <laughs> I think there was a little bit of that in the Lord when he said, you know, let's make mankind in our own image and share with him these wonderful things. And, and let's give him a plan, and a purpose to till the soil or to to be in charge of all of this and mm-hmm. and to make the thing work. And so there's such a wonderful relationship there. So at that particular exhibit, we talk about this relationship between God and man. And how when God made Adam, he blew his spirit, his ruach, which is the Hebrew for, for spirit. Ruach, HaKodesh is the Holy Spirit. Blew that into Adam and Adam jumped up. He was alive. He had the spirit of God within him. He could speak to God and they were sort of on one level as it were. He wasn't, you know, (laughs) sort of not knowing what's going on. He was right in there with God expressing all these wonderful things and, and God sharing with him. And the idea was that the Spirit of God is to lead us into what's right and wrong. We don't have to go looking for a decision on which thing is the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do, what's good and what's bad, mm. if the Spirit of God is within us, because the Spirit of God leads us into all of all righteousness. and uh, the Spirit is there to give us uh, the truth. Yes. But that that act in the Bible, our first exhibit there is just to say, man, we've messed up because we decided, that we wanted to make up our own mind about what's good and bad. Mm. And we rejected God and we rejected his plans and purposes Mm. and unfortunately got kicked out of the garden and the spirit of God was withdrawn from mankind and now he's left trying to make up his mind about what's good and bad. Mm. And if we look through history, I mean made some real bad decisions. (laughs) Not so.
0: No, indeed. Mm. Uh, So... It's it's a wonderful environment because first of all it's out in nature. Mm. You're not wa- walking around in an indoor museum. It's an outdoor museum. Exactly. And yeah. it's it's healthy. It's nice. It's if, now those who are more energetic, you've got a longer route that a person can take That's around fine. your Mount yeah, of it's Olives up and, against the mountain so, there. Yeah. And I mean, you've got camping grounds. It's a great place for. Mm. I can see there's been events there, and it's it's a beautiful place to go. And and I also got the feeling like gee, you know, here we. Didn't have to drive that far from Cape Town. And uh, we having a bit of a taste of Israel. We That's right. In some of the promised mm. land, the mm. plants, the mm. vegetation. Mm. It, it, it looks even yeah. like we're there in the Middle East in yeah. many places. Yeah. So it's, it's a wonderful. But what gave you this idea? I mean, what led you to founding this uh, Salem well, Biblical yeah, Gardens?
1: Uh, now that you ask about that, it actually has been a dream of mine for a long time. You know, I'm, I do believe that God prepares us for the things he wants us to do. Uh, things don't just fall out of the sky. And when I was a lot younger than now, I was actually got my degree from University of Cape Town in business and I became the South African Trade Attaché in Tel Aviv. And so for four years we stayed there, Anli and I, and uh, we obviously cross crisscrossed the whole country in four years. Yeah. Every weekend when we're out of office, we're doing things, showing people around and so on. And to me, that just made the Bible come so alive. You know, if you're walking around in Jerusalem or you're seeing the Sea of Galilee and you're on the boat there, you're going to Capernaum, you're going to the Beatitudes and the place of the Beatitudes. It's just, wow, this is where Jesus walked, you know. And this thing isn't just a story, it's real, it's mm-hmm. real. I can touch it, I can feel it. And so at Salim there's a bit of that because you can touch and feel and experience and not just read the Bible. The written word in itself has got such power, but just imagine if all those senses come together with that and you can experience that for yourself. So people, the groups that come there, we have a lot of groups coming from schools, from... Uh, Actually, after COVID, it's been very slow with schools, but schools Mm. used to have a lot of outings, and Mm. I hope they're going to do it
0: again. Uh, Now that the lockdown lunacy and mass grade madness is over, I certainly hope so. (laughs) It's like a COVID cult descended Uh, on the world. Well, we need to get out of that and get back to living.
1: Yeah, and back into the countryside in this place where you could walk through, have the journey through the Bible, afterwards have a picnic or a braai or something, uh, we've got facilities for all of those things there. But, uh,
0: yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful experience out there in the open. And it looks like the kind of place that, first of all, you know, as we were doing Great Commission course, and we had people from other countries, even from Zambia, Zimbabwe, America, and to bring them to that, it was a wonderful day trip. It was healthy, it was fun, <coughs> and it was inspiring. And you just saw, because we had a bunch of missionaries and evangelists there, mm. um, you could just see everyone's, uh, creative juices going, and it's starting to discuss the applications, and you mm. you got certain sermons, and yeah. uh, and oh, let's sing this hymn. We took our hymn books with yeah. us. And I must say, uh, I would think for anyone, it's it's great whether you want to go alone or with your family, but for the Sunday school mm. uh, class or with a youth group or midweek Bible study yeah. or a church group, yeah. but one could actually have events. Here, such as if such a person wants to have a seminar or come and yeah. you've got a tent, no, you've got a, a stadium, you've a, got, a, I mean, uh, what do we call it, a platform? 18th? Yeah. Got an like auditorium stage, mm. yeah
1: and we've got a hall that seats about 100 people so many conferences it's a great place for venue it, yeah. it's actually a multimedia center I've made it sort of to be that and uh, there's so many wonderful digital things that people can see and want to see and uh, younger people, of course, all love to see pictures and yes. action and stuff. Well, you know, I can so think if a strange. person's
0: a musician and they want to record themselves singing some biblical theme thing, what a nice backdrop mm. Uh, mm. for, uh, you know, why do it on the sound stage? I mean, mm. come into come mm. this environment and yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. a great place. I mean, I can yeah. think Let this is the sort of place churches should go on a Sunday afternoon and so on. So uh, maybe we should ask, when are you open? Right, so Salem's open every day except Mondays,
1: so we have to give a bit of a break there to everybody. Uh, So we have uh, guided tours, you can book, and when you book you can obviously make your own time, and we know that there's 10, 20, 30 people coming, and then we'll we'll organise a group leader, and he takes you through and explains everything on a guided tour. But on a Saturday and a Sunday, we have uh, 10.30 in the morning. We have a sort of everybody that loose that doesn't have a tour but wants to just come. And so maybe we have two or three or four families that turn up for that. And then we take them on a guided tour. If there's nobody and you haven't booked, you can still walk through. And uh, we've got scriptures at every one of the exhibits there, which sort of more or less gives you a, a good idea of what it's about. But obviously the the deeper narrative is, is so much better.
0: Yes, and of course, um, you know, depending on who you've got leading you through there, you could go along with your Bible and look it up and sit if you've got mm-hmm. the time and, and use this time for meditation, Absolutely. prayer no. and discipleship. I think we all felt it was it was refreshing, mm-hmm. invigorating, and um, it was something that really deepened devotional life, just going around and mm-hmm. and I'd certainly advise people not to rush it. Uh, you, mm. It's nice to stop. You've got benches. You've got places mm. you can stop, and a person can stop, pray. In our Absolutely. case, we love we love to sing, and, and yeah. singing. So singing if people like, yeah. take your hymn book with, because <laughs> you, you know when you get to the yeah. old rugged cross yeah. to sing yeah. about the old rugged cross. People have great. communion
1: there as well at the crosses. <sighs> uh, it's a good place to stop and reflect. And sometimes, when you finish with the guided tour, then the people will go off and. Uh, come back again on their own and just sit and and pray. But I want to tell you quickly about a very exciting thing that we've started now, and that is the Open Air Archaeological Museum. Uh, Archaeology, biblical archaeology, is extremely neglected, I think, because everybody's arguing about the book. Is it real? Was it a story 3,000, 5,000 years old? Was it just a narrative? (laughs) But you know, when you start digging in the ground and you're finding the absolute evidences of what was spoken, the names of the kings, the places, Hezekiah's tunnel, all of these things have been discovered and they come out of the book way back. I mean, that's really thousand years before Christ. And so when you, when you get to our little archaeological museum, we're busy building that out. We've got a curator. His name is Michael John has a master's degree in archaeology, biblical archaeology, and he's really doing a wonderful job. and I think when when that's finished is going to be, a huge attraction there at Salem. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to put your hand on something that's 2,000 years old, you know, we've yes. got replicas.
0: And there's also the Qumran scrolls and the, yeah. and the whole Dead Sea Scrolls, which is yeah. phenomenal, yeah. test me to the authenticity of scripture. Where yeah. some people thought when they discovered the, the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1940, <gasps> great, now we can see how much the Bible's been changed. Mm. And so the critics were so excited and <laughs> and they got more and more ha- yeah. disheartened as they saw that actually, even though here they had uh, manuscripts in the first century and the, and the yeah. second century BC and, and they find them and actually there's no changes between mm. the Bible then the Bible now. Yeah. And I think that shattered many people who believed in high criticism. They thought, Absolutely. oh, well, surely the Bible's deteriorated over the years. Yeah. And they found, no, in fact the manuscripts uh, bear out that we've obviously had some very diligent transcribers through the centuries to keep, and God supernaturally has preserved Mm. his word. So Mm. things like that. And I'm so glad you had an exhibit specifically focusing on the Qumran Mm. scrolls Mm. as well. Mm.
1: Well, you know, when they found those scrolls in 47 and 48, there's a number of caves down there at Qumran. The temperature down there is very high. <laughs> it's uh, near the Dead Sea, so it's in that uh, cavity in the ground. I think it's 200 meters below sea level, and so that is quite oppressive. But that's kept this parchments absolutely in wonderful condition. Can you can imagine 2,000-year-old parchments, and you can still open them up and read them. Unfortunately, as the story goes, that you know that the first... Bedouin tribesmen that found the first scrolls in the caves, mm. um, they took it and it was bought by I think <laughs> some museum, I think the London Museum, and then they realised, wow, these things are really valuable, and we're not going to give one whole scroll to these people. I will tell you what to do: the next one, we, the next ones that they found, they actually tore up in pieces and sold the pieces off because then they could sell it 50 times over instead of once. And people are saying, why has it taken so long to decipher the 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 Dead Sea Scrolls? some jigsaw
0: puzzle work to be done. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I think they had the biggest puzzle that you've ever seen and trying to match all those pieces and which cave it came from and what uh, scripture So. They've done a marvelous job, and mm. it really does give you a good picture of the time of the scenes that wrote that uh, were there in the time of Jesus, and it's uh, actually speculated that John the Baptist actually some of the things he said and done, and so on, that he had contact there. I'm not mm. quite sure if Jesus also got down down there. But it was more or less on the route to uh, from from uh, Sea of Galilee to up to Jerusalem, mm. you know. And uh, you just marvel at the way that people walked there. I mean, for like three days to get from Capernaum up to Jerusalem for the feasts and the thing.
0: That's why archaeology is so important and to understand the context and where it was. um, No, As you say, the Bible really comes alive there. Mm. So... What sort of interesting reactions you had? You've had tour groups, you've had visitors coming from different parts of the world and and sometimes you've had uh, events there. So give us some ideas, some of the reactions you've come across
1: to. Well, you know, people when they're in a group, they don't actually want to open up too much. It's unfortunately one of the drawbacks, I think. But some people stay behind and ask to be prayed for. We've had some wonderful healings take place there. Um, Some of the smaller groups have stood in front of... uh, There's a a wonderful depiction of the the, um, prodigal son. I don't know if you remember seeing that. Yes, indeed. And people stand there and weep, you know, that uh, this father was so forgiving and came running to embrace his son that had been so horrible (laughs) to him and had walked away and now came back and when he'd spent (laughs) everything and thought, Wow. My father's not going to be happy with me now. I'll just be a servant and that's good enough. And then to find that God actually wants to bless you and you come back to him and you put your his spirit back inside of you and you and him have this relationship again. He elevates you right to the top again. He gives you a staff of authority. He gives you a cloak to say you are the son, and it gives you a ring with authority to do and mm-hmm. to say things again, t- irrespective of what you did and where you came from and how far you'd fallen. Yes. And so for a lot of people, that's a very, very deep message. And that's uh, close
0: to the end. That's very appropriate. Yes, the yeah. Father ho- hearts of God coming that's up.
1: That's right, Yeah. So things like that, you know, and uh, we try and pray for people if we get half a chance and they allow us to. <laughs> um, and people are coming again and again. That's a good news part yeah, of yes. it. Well,
0: I'm, yeah. I, I saw it years back when you were still in the beginning stages yeah. and uh, and to see it now in the development, wow, just wow. such growth, such wow. development. It's, it's, it's exciting that. and mm. uh, it's a wonderful ministry. I'm so glad it's... Cape Town's got so much so close to us, which is such a blessing. And I think, uh, I, I know this is going to inspire people. So the trouble is, of course, most people probably don't know about this. So we need to spread the word. Mm. How can people learn more about this? Website? Facebook yeah, page? Peter,
1: it's very difficult when you, if you haven't got uh, possibilities to advertise everywhere and put it on TV and all that. <laughs> <laughs> so... We've just had to work by word of mouth, and it's growing all the time, but obviously so many people have never heard that there's a biblical garden out in (coughs) Perl, just off the R44. Uh, You drive there from Cape Town along the N1 turn-off to Wellington on the R44, and uh, you'll find a windmill pole, which is the turn-off, and then you'll find... Salem hmm. Biblical Garden. So well, it's not too difficult to find, but to get to know about it. Yes. But there's a website. There's a website called uh, salemgarden.co.za. There's uh, obviously the email is salem at mweb.co.za. There's a Facebook page. Actually, the Facebook's got a lot of photographs and the galleries yes. and these things. That That's you exciting. Can see all the people that have come. And of course you can give us a call, there's a number, I dunno it's on the Facebook and that. I don't think people yes. will be able to write that down now.
0: Yes, so mm. on Facebook, mm. on the web. In fact, when I was just trying to refresh my mind how to get there and mm. I typed in, I got very quickly the directions, looked mm. on the map and yeah. once I saw on a map actually, I remembered and it was yeah. great because it's,
1: it's Google have found us if nobody else has. yes no and,
0: and it's just magnificent to see the yeah. growth and uh, the beautiful garden-like mm. driveway or road uh, mm. leading to the entrance that's yeah. also so inspiring yeah. one just feels so so welcome there and it's it's a it's a sanctuary
1: it is. It's, uh, people have said this is a retreat, you know, Yes. sort of experience. I don't
0: really like the word retreat because it's more like an advance. It's a devotional <laughs> sanctuary is nicer. But <laughs> I mean, we retreat to advance. Um, <laughs> <because> <laughs> as a Christian, we prefer to be onward Christian soldiers. Absolutely. But I understand Absolutely. when you say retreat, you mean the yeah. sense of regroup, well, that's right. regroup and refresh yeah. in order to get back into the field. You
1: know what's important also is fellowship. You know, we go to churches and we walk in and we walk out. And uh, there at the garden, we've got these facilities for picnics or for brides and that. But uh, 60 seats scattered amongst the wild olive trees there and tables and so on, people can enjoy. And um, people get a chance afterwards to sit and chat as families or uh, as the group that came along, Bible study groups, you know, just talk about mm. what they've seen, what it meant to them and so on. So from that point of view, the fellowship, and, and let's face it, with COVID, fellowship was stripped oh. away from us. And now we get a chance. Of, hey, guys, get into the car. Let's all go there. And so I hope that's the sort of thing that will happen going forward.
0: Get into nature and get back to the Bible. Mm. I mean, Salem Biblical Gardens and Archaeological Museum, you can find it on the website. You can find it on the Facebook page. Uh, Google it. Find out how to get there. But... Jack Carstens, founder of Salem Biblical Gardens and Archaeology Museum, and the David and Jonathan Foundation. We've just got two minutes left. Do you want to say anything about David and Jonathan yeah, Foundation?
1: absolutely. David and Jonathan Foundation actually started also as a result of my tour in Israel. There I met a lot of Messianic believers, uh, Jewish people, that believe that Jesus is the Messiah. As you know, that's always been a very difficult thing. It's a kind of a temporary um, veil that's been placed. It says there in Romans 11... God placed a veil in front of them so that the Gentiles might come in mm-hmm. and that'll carry on until the time of the Gentiles has come to an end. Well, I believe God's saying the time of the Gentiles is nearing an end because all the more Jewish people are actually coming to faith in Jesus. And this is wonderful. There when we were there stationed there, there was four congregations in the land. There's now over a hundred. And uh, people aren't losing their Jewish identity or their nationality or anything. They're discovering the Messiah and who he is and Mm. what his name is. And his name is Yeshua, which means salvation. (laughs) Mm. So they're finding the salvation in Yeshua Messiah. And uh, it's a great thing. And uh, we, we encourage that. So David and Jonathan Foundation has teamed up with a lot of uh, churches, congregations, actually, in Israel. And you can support these people through us and actually make friends of a particular congregation if you choose one. And when you do go to Israel, you can actually go and visit them. So it's a connection. It's not just a, a pie in the sky. And so we encourage people to get hold of us. In the same places, are all the same thing. But uh, David and Jonathan's also got its own website Mm. and Facebook. But get hold of us and say, we want to support these people. They're out there on their own in an island. And let's just show them that the the love of Christ can flow through to them and they can enjoy the Messiah that they actually introduced to us 2,000 years ago.
0: So as we must close, we've only got a few more seconds. Just tell us how people can get in touch with you, email Telephone yeah. number?
1: Yeah, that's the thing. The the number is, if you want to, is 071-478-0845. And then salem Garden at co.za is the website again. And our email is salem at mweb.co.za.
0: And you can find Salem Biblical Gardens on the web and also on Facebook. Get in touch and mobilize your people there. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who pro- Claim good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say of Zion, your God reigns. I Thank agree. you so much. Thank God you. bless and Thanks good night. Me.
1: Thank you.